Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Matrix Breakers. I have two very, very exciting guests. And uh, I'm going to first and foremost tell, tell all of you that this is going to be a wide ranging topics. And we're going to get into some of the esoteric, the spiritual matrix, the side of things that people need to break through. And a lot of the spiritual matrix that I discuss on the podcast, it's not, it's not really as much external as it is internal. Um, a lot of us deal with different traumas, different levels of ourselves that we have not even achieved yet. And to have these two guests to talk about that and how can we achieve our higher self, how can we get to the next level personally is a tremendous value. And so I want to start by just sharing their bios and we'll get into this and rock and roll. So Jonathan Mozenter and Rachel Fusting combined their unique skills, they're in a relationship, by the way, uh, and intimate connection to present the relationship alchemists. I love this, by the way. Relationship alchemists guide their audience in calling in deeper love for themselves, their connections, and the world around them. Mixing skills cultivated in corporate and government arenas with in-depth, cutting-edge esoteric studies. Relationship alchemists is a self-awareness experience to be remembered. Jonathan Mozenter is a dynamic, energetic speaker, coach, and consultant on the topics of individual and group transformation. He has the gift of integrating knowledge from many domains in a coherent and succinct manner. Oh boy, do I love that. In addition to working 25 years in the field of change management, Jonathan also has extensive experience as and studied with masters in numerous esoteric areas, including, but not limited to, I'm sure, epi-energetics, Tibetan Buddhism, shadow work, Western esoteric spirituality, chi energy cultivation, integral theory, I'd love to learn about that, dream yoga, lucid dreaming, embodiment, and conscious language. Jonathan's classes focus on how to combine healing modalities and techniques to enable participants to be one with their heart and soul. And I learned that at his birthday celebration where I met him, which we'll get into here in a, in a minute. Rachel Fusting is a space-time priestess, I love that, blending flow arts and divination to ground people in the here and now. Rachel's years of spreading self-awareness models culminated in a multi-year stint with the Cincinnati Circus Company, where she got her workshop to start teaching tarot to future fortune tellers. With her love of learning and a degree in advertising orienting her in the meta lens, Rachel is creating the Mystic Arts Oracle deck, covering a wide range of modalities aimed at deeper presence, including dream work, shadow work, authentic movement, tarot, mirror work, which I'd like to learn about, yoga, past life regression, palmistry, and much more. So welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here, Don. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you get, get into a little bit of, um, uh, Rachel, we'll start with you, uh, you know, ladies first, a little bit of your background and some of your uh, previous work that you've done. It's clearly uh, your bio is rich. And uh, I think that a lot of people listening want to learn more about you. Yeah. Uh, the Cincinnati Circus was a huge learning experience for the divination and flow arts. Uh, it, really gave me a chance to practice with like 30 to 70 people a night, just 
How can we get to the core of what's going on with your narrative, what's going on with your story? And I think with a lot of the spiritual work, we're looking at the bigger picture and broader themes of people's lives. And um, so having that opportunity to learn how to, to drop into that space quickly with people was a huge up-leveling in my connection to a talent I've been nurturing for myself since I was a preteen. Um, tarot is very archetypal. It outlines the hero's journey. It can, it's a language. It can say almost anything. So it's a really beautiful skill to use to speak to someone about themselves, even when you know very little about them, because it's the core of the human experience itself. And yeah, flow arts is essentially dancing with props. So while divination is like, ooh, let me tell you your future, or let me help you integrate your past, uh, flow arts is spatial, and it really grounds you in where the core of your weight distribution is and also the outer edge of what you can remain connected to as an extension of yourself. And so between those two access, you can really ground someone in the here and now and give them the amount of presence they need to actually meet these spiritual breakthroughs. And I think that's where Jonathan and I skills really started overlapping is we both wanted to create transformation for people. And we both had a, a lot of skills that could contribute to that. And, you know, presence is a, a foundational component of what makes that available for people. Jonathan, do you want to share more about how you? Well, build? before you do that, I was going to say that presence, when you said foundation, yeah. um, it's so important. It's like um, when we are connected with the here and now that there's so many, I mean, well, there's a lot of like Buddhist quotes as well that just connect us in a meditation of now, <laughs> the power of now. We have a lot of books about now, and I just want to just really pour it on there because when you're truly present, there's there's no past trauma that you should address, and there's no future worrying that you should have. Um, and and it's just you just enjoy that moment, and that can there can, there could be so much clarity brought upon that. So I thought that was a very key from the work, like you said, that you're it's a foundational piece. And then Jonathan, yeah, share share some of what your your insights are on that. Yeah, speaking of that, I, I kind of started my path. Uh, I was really unfocused and really not in the now and a lot of worry. And I started this Tibetan meditation that radically changed my life. Uh, this guy, Dan Brown, brought the highest level practices, uh, Dzogchen and Mahmudra from the Tibetans, translated himself and made it into a Western esoteric form. And what that helped me do is one thing is it helped me connect to like higher energy so that I was, wasn't just always doing from my up, from my logical mind of like analyzing things. I started to get for the first time, these like transpersonal knowings. And one of the th first things that I got led to actually was to look at um, what one of my teachers, Neil Kramer calls the dark unveilings or some people can call the conspiracy world. And I went really in depth and looked at understood false flags, and mind control and went down to a whole bunch of rabbit holes. And finally, I got to a place where I was like, what am I going to do about this? Like, is, you know, this is like, first, it's shocking. And then you got to like, is this true or not true? There's this whole stage of kind of like working through that material. And I found a group of friends look through it. But eventually, I got to a place where I was like, am I just going to continuously research this and, and prove everything? Or am I going to do something about that? I had to look even deeper. What can I bring? What is, is my unique kind of self-expression. And what I have found out is I'm really into 
transformation. I actually, even before you mentioned change management, I've been a, had a whole career in uh, change, what's called change management or organizational development, where I actually help individuals and groups go from wherever they're stuck or their current state to their future state. And I guide them through like a process. So I've got these whole skills on how to actually move people through that. And what I was discovering also, the spirit was kind of saying, hey, not only do I want you to bring those skills, but there's a whole bunch of esoteric stuff that when you combine it with that is going to take things other levels. So I've been studying, I was guided through mysterious ways to a, a bunch of different people. One of the things you're talking about at my birthday party, this thing called Epi Energetics turned out to um, be really cool about this idea of energy first. Um, and when our energy is high, I think we can all recognize when we exercise or we eat healthy, you know, our energy is high, we have different thoughts, we have different behaviors. And so I, that was a big change for me, just realizing how important energy is and how to get my energy in a high place so I can be a better version of myself. And the other thing I wanted to comment is, is what Rachel was talking about. Um, and you were talking about this here and now and not getting caught up in the past or, or the worry, um, because we, we actually all see the world through like a filter, a lens that's influenced by different factors. Um, and so what I've been training myself is how do I maximize my filter and my clients so that I'm seeing it through a lens that is the highest vibration possible so I can enact the best version of ourselves. And Rachel and I both have, have that same passion of helping people have this filter that's going to be their best selves. And we have some tools that are different and some that are same, but they mesh together nicely. And what Relationship Alchemist is about is about um, relationship, but in those domains you were talking about. So we, we want to help people have the most optimal relationship to our own personal selves, to other people in our lives, and as well as you know, the systems and cultures and spiritual laws. And we've got all, all kinds of programs and techniques that are aligned around that structure. Well, yeah, I absolutely love the concept of relationship alchemists. I think that that's really powerful. Uh, that's a great brand. I'm just like, and it, it connects with, yeah, like you said, not just your relationship intimately, but relationship with yourself and relationship to culture, relationship to society, to the collective, you know, and uh, it's so, such a balance. And then as you mentioned, of course, um, so many people can get lost on the rabbit holes. And once you know that there are other beings that use the same spiritual principles and they can use it in a negative way, uh, you have to realize that that's, we have to combat that by collecting ourselves personally, of course, having our own personal transformation, as you mentioned, is a great topic to discuss. Uh, but then once you have your own personal transformation, you kind of know where you're at for yourself personally, you can then help others, you know, you can transform you know, whether it's just your friend or your aunt or your, the, your roommate, you know, or something that very close. And this kind of awareness starts to expand even further out. Um, and so it's just so powerful because you went through your personal transformation. So, you know, it's possible. So that's, what's also very key. There are actually a lot of people, I believe that go into the rabbit holes of conspiracies and all these things that are actually some of them, not all, but some are very factual. But you can, they go into it, but themselves, them themselves, they aren't even personally transformed. They're, they're more, they're not even an optimist, you know, they're more pessimist. So they can get locked into this like hopelessness. So it's very dangerous. You're not, that's why the red pill isn't for everybody. 
And, you know, you can't just like shove it down everybody, you know, all the time. And that's a very careful threading needle that I have to thread sometimes where people are listening and they're not necessarily ready for the truth kind of thing. Um, and and we, we take steps that like this, where I have somebody like you on and Rachel to discuss a lot of this personal transformation that is, in my opinion, absolutely necessary. And something that maybe a lot of people don't 100% know about me is that I went through all of that personal transformation and, and more of an entrepreneurial kind of awakening back when I was 19, 20, 21, 22. It wasn't until I was 23 years old where I started to get into the core of the, the rabbit holes, you know, where I'm like, oh, wait, I'm, my, my way of life is being threatened. So I can't just sort of like live with a closed mind and think that everything's going to be fine. So I had to acknowledge the, the evil in the world. But at the same time, I was, I was level-headed. I was prepared for that information. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to let this control my life. Of course, I'm just still going to do my thing. And I already had practices, spiritual and physical and other ways that kept me in, in, in alignment with myself, right? So that I could go into the rabbit hole, but I don't get trapped in there. So it's so important. And I just, anyway, not to rant on that, but it's so crucial. And I think it's foundational as to why you, you guys are on here. And I'd love to hear from Rachel on that too. Yeah, I think something that's popping up in our field a lot is cultivating in such a mental culture that we've been raised and grown up in the emotional availability to do this work and to really be with our imperfect selves. And we spend so much time generating this image of the person we want to be and want to become that sometimes just being with the actuality of what we are right now is too emotionally intense for people. And that's why it's hard for them to have those transformational breakthroughs and it's hard for them to get into that radical presence. Uh, so I'm finding that building emotional availability is huge. And I think that's also why like the amount of um, like television series that are taking off right now it's kind of inspiring right because there's so many different kinds of themes that can touch people emotionally and give them a secondhand experience of what being in their own emotional pool feels like in the external which provides an opportunity for them to go more inward with it in the long run but there's many paths to building that emotional availability um most of it is around like being with discomfort or like not letting the edge of your comfort zone define the edges of what you'll explore. Because I mean, many people have said this, but greatness is on the other side of your comfort zone. And um, the things that you're just casually putting outside of range for you because they're uncomfortable or they inspire some sort of fear are the limits of what your egoic brain is willing to explore. And so you've already put yourself in a box. And, and limited what you can tap into. And so much of the work we do is also possibility generation, like allowing people to see how many other options they've never even contemplated are in the table, which is why we are such a jack of all trades modality collectors, um, because it's in knowing everything that could be possible that you remain open-minded and flexible enough to pull in the thread that can actually serve you in a moment instead of falling into the habits of what has always come before. I'd love to, to piggyback on what Rachel's talking about because uh, she's hitting on one of the most important topics, this emotional availability that can be really confusing because a lot of people are afraid of their emotions because we have 
this it's a it's actually natural um, that a lot of times when we're younger we have these experiences where emotions overwhelm us and we said I can't deal with that and we some part of us like pushes that down puts it in suppression because we're not ready to to deal with that intense emotion and it actually develops strategies to kind of keep us from feeling that until we're ready and it will even like hint it's still there because it'll project things out or like we'll get kind of like uh if you're if you some people aren't even aware of it but we're there's actually something in our observer that's like saying hey kind of pushing us like hey don't do that because they don't want us to experience that thing that we couldn't experience a long time ago mm -hmm. so one thing is to first understand why emotional availability is so important um look i i was somebody who was always like really intellectual and very analytical but i've actually gotten a lot of my greatest wisdoms has come from feeling that more uh to my surprise and when i because those feelings are they're like god's children i got that download like when i was feeling something uh doing ayahuasca and uh because the, they hold like deep wisdom in them and so the one thing that really helped me to even go in this direction is to understand that um as we kind of like these these trapped emotions actually hold wisdom and they're also because we're not feeling them there's some part of us is taking energy up to suppress them and that's energy that we can't be using to be a higher version of ourselves so once we start feeling these intense emotions not only do we get huge wisdom bombs we free up energy just to be a better version of ourselves it's just easier to get up and be more lively um and getting more energy has a there's a lot of methods to it but i mean some of the basic ones i started with we're just having an exercise practice like first thing in the morning uh or eating right or like showers like i got into i knew i had to meditate because my mind was super busy but my my baseline energy was not not having meditation i just like too much frustration wasn't do it but if i learned to have some practices beforehand to get my energy up to getting the meditation then that would work and i want i want to cue in because meditation can mean a lot of different things but i want to explain how it relates to emotional availability, because this is a key thing that Rachel just really hammered. I'm so happy she brought that up this early. When you when you do the meditation, you learn certain techniques to distance yourself from your emotions and sensations and pain body. So instead of you like being them directly, and that's like all you can experience is that pain, you actually realize that you're this observer of them. And these are just parts of you. And when you have a, enough space with them, then they're, they're not you, they're just information that's happening within your field. You have you have more capacity, as Rachel was saying, to actually feel them and do them. So there's like, that's one of the things Rachel and I are really good at. We've experimented with all these different tools and we know how to put them in the right order. We call them stacking. But how do you stack these power tools so you have the biggest amplitude possible? Because we want to people to leverage from our wisdom of years of experimenting and spirit guiding both of us to different things so we can give people super powerful experiences and empower them we're the kind of uh coaches coaches teachers where we're not we're not aiming to be like a guru we want to actually empower people so they have their own connection to higher energies and so that they're guided themselves that's definitely our goal well it sounds like uh yeah the i like what you said about distancing yourself and, and realizing that your emotions I forgot the word you use, but you're observing them, right? Yeah. You're observing them. They're, they're, a, they're, a, yes, they're a part of your experience, but they don't need to consume you because there are so many people 
uh, like probably me and Jonathan, like we can, we can easily distance ourselves from emotion and, and be like, Oh, okay. Logical, you know, mind can kind of take over. But a lot of people are extremely emotional where they are not only just connecting to their own emotions, but their empaths. So they're kind of absorbing other energy. And I think of emotional space and emotional distancing in that, in that sense is also kind of like, um, how often are we dealing with our own stuff? And then you walk out of your room or you walk and there's just some other emotional thing that there's no space. So now you have to deal with something, someone else's ordeal, which um, can cause people to get really solitude. Uh, and solitude can be really good for your own healing. Um, but when you start to become very, very lonely, you, you realize that we actually need personal connections with others. So you need to, there's gotta be a way to manage emotional stimulus that's happening when you engage with others and then your own emotions that you're, that you're trying to tap into uh, and then not, not necessarily being just a loner and, and disconnecting completely. Cause that could be an easy way out. Um, but yeah, just is, is great, great topics to bring up. Yeah. I wanted to, when you're talking about solitude, just put forth something that's come to me about alone being all oneness. Like when you actually break down the word, it's like, the only thing that's connecting with your energy is your own energy. You are all one. You are touching the wholeness of your expression. And you might still be working on integrating your parts, but when you're in that solitude in a from a place of wholeness, like you, you have an opportunity to connect to the all of reality in those moments of aloneness. So it's a super powerful space. And if you have a lot of unmet inner work, sometimes it can be really overwhelming because you're used to being with other people's problems or outside circumstances to ignore how much of that is going on in your inner world. Um, so I think that's also why the, the times that we're in have really caused a lot of chaos because some people were ready for the amount of isolation and alone time that COVID caused and some people were not, but either way, that's what people were having the opportunity to touch. And I think what you were mentioning about when, when you leave the room and you have, you know, roommates or family members or things like that, I think culture is really relearning emotional boundaries because so many of us have been disassociated that um, we don't have the feeling body to know when our emotional boundaries are being violated. And to say, you know, I know you want to open up about that really intense thing, but I don't have the bandwidth to hold the kind of space you need right now. Um, I'd be happy to talk with you about that when I'm more resourced. I want to be there for you. I care about you. But if you approach this me with this right now, you're not going to get the version of me that can really support you. And um, so talking about some of those, like, how do we incorporate emotional boundaries is something that I, I've seen that I'm really over is when um, people forget to ask whether they can offer you a reflection on what they just heard. Like, because sometimes I'm coming in with really clear spiritual insight. I want to know that that person is open to receiving my feedback before I offer it to them. And then even if it's true, some part of them closes because it was, it didn't feel ready to receive that. So Permission is so key to making sure that people are really receptive and it's a subtle layer of consent that the culture is reopening to and starting to incorporate more because 
they, we have this idea and culture of consent as a physical boundaries thing, but there are so many levels of consent that if we notice going in can really build harmony that allows for people to have stronger and stronger experiences together. I'd love to, I think what you just, okay. Okay. sorry, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, I was going to say consent. You took the word out of my mind. I was, what you're saying is consenting and it's not, it doesn't have to be physical. Um, but it's so important that just everything that you were sharing about just having that, because there's so many times, especially maybe people like us or others that do give counsel, provide counsel for others. People are not always ready to hear what you have to say. And I remember as simple as an example of like my brother, not even like a week ago, two weeks ago, we were playing volleyball. And he's like, he's like always telling his girlfriend what she did wrong, like every time, every time. And, and, you know, mind you, he's always saying what she did right, you know, oh, good job. And so I told him like a simple word, it was a simple sentence. I said, Devin, not every moment is a coaching moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just silence is, is louder than anything. It's like, she did a good job. You don't even need to say anything. She knows she did, or she made a mistake. You don't need to keep telling someone they made a mistake and what they did wrong. So abundantly clear what they did. And you have to, as a coach, to like watch what you say, be mindful of your words. Are they even ready to receive it? So I, Jonathan, go ahead. I just, I had to mention that. Oh, no, that was great. I, uh, I know. I, having studied like libertarian and volunteerism is a big thing and and Rachel's boundaries yeah but I wanted to Rachel's again saying emphasizing some of the most important stuff and I wanted to take it a little bit deeper uh and go uh one she talked about aloneness in in this ability to connect with like transpersonal and, and I think that is absolutely true a lot of the times uh, that's the first for a lot of people is this first way of like quieting the mind and they're letting can use this space to kind of let in some knowings or get really kind of clear on things as they the things kind of settle and that that is great and one this is again this is I said this before but I want to emphasize because this is one of the most important things that relationship alchemist is about is about connecting to these higher energies so there are a lot of methods to do that so one thing for example Rachel and I are, are really into these um kind of archetypes uh these tools so one of them like for example the human design actually is based on astrology and it tells each person how they can in touch with their intuitive knowing because different types have different ones so we're really good really knowledgeable about that and helping people use that tool we also um how to study um i talked about this earlier about this knowing about this observer about like who you really are it's almost having boundaries within yourself So we can teach meditations that can help them when, when you do them on a regular basis, actually identify as the, as the observer of now, rather than all these other things that are going on in their field. Because it's easy to get, I was actually had a coaching call this morning and they use this term codependency, which I always associated with like romantic relationships, but she's like, Hey, no codependency is actually like, if your observer is tied to any kind of aspect of reality and its control influencing you then that's a form of codependency so we actually teach people how to be grounded in who they really are which is like this observer and this self and how to have a relationship again where everything's about relationship to these other parts where they can recognize them be with them as an energy but also not over identify with them so it like completely takes them out of their strength their power their stillness and so that's another way of doing it these meditations so that in the beginning, the goal is to, to kind of like cultivate this stillness. But as you get to be an advanced practitioner, you can take this 
meditation anywhere you want. And in, in the, the, the lineages that I say with Tibetan, they call it the non-meditation because the goal is just to do it automatically all the time. And the way you're doing it is you're getting certain like skills or competencies. They're like a set of different um, uh, meditations that help you be in what I would call the most powerful relationship. And it's like, instead of um, the Buddhists call it reification, where you see something as solid as a solid object, and it can only be interpreted this one way, we have tools to help them people see it as actually everything is a form of energy and it's open. Some Buddhists call it like emptiness, but I, I like the term open because what emptiness means is that there's just not one way of looking at something. Because when we get that's there's so much stuckness in this world, in this like polarized world, we need to get people out of this right, wrong, this is the way, only way to look at thing and get into a place where we're actually more spacious and more open so we can take more perspectives on things. And and Rachel was saying is like, um, then we can, we're also teaching people how to like own our own thoughts and feelings, our own perspectives and not like, pushing them onto other people. Um, uh, one of the cool things about being with races, we're both so passionate about uh, this transformational stuff so we can practice in our own language and kind of perfect things. And we can help other clients do the same thing or even other couples. Uh, it's really powerful. You can, to have community, whether it's a couple or to have a bunch of other people who are into the spiritual development. And by spiritual, I just mean like being better versions of ourselves, more aligned with truth and more creating a higher vibrational like humanity, my goal is humanity at its greatest expression. You know, we're living freely, compassionately, abundantly. And by using, I have found that through all my studies, it's the key is about mastering all these individual relationships. And as each relationship is mastered, it creates more energy. And that energy just gets to higher and higher version. We can just be higher versions and we can give that to everybody and we can have a better world. So I'm real enthusiastic about what's coming. There's so much cool stuff coming. I know a lot of people are down about COVID and left, right fighting, but on the bleeding edge, on the cutting edge are all these crazy, amazing solutions, like a tidal wave. I'm, I'm positive it's coming and we're going to create a brand new world. that's going to be epic. And I'm so enthusiastic. Well, it's great because we already know that, every individual has the ability to do what you said to connect with this to uh broaden the perspectives right and uh, that's why I, I just yeah like i don't know why it, for me in uh like freshman year of high school i made this weird decision this discernment came over me and i'm like i want to be the master of perspective and not have an opinion on anything kind of i don't know why i just thought that when i was in high school and nice. it, it actually helped me in life because I started to really try to be like, everyone's got their own way of looking at it. No matter how emotionally involved I may feel in something, I'm also like, well, the other person thinks this and this, that, and you got to really bring that about. And uh, so I, I don't know, it's just, um, I think it's very helpful, even in, in different judicious circumstances where you're dealing with problems with, with between friends or at coworkers or things like that. I know you said a lot there. I just wanted to kind of take that little piece of perspective yeah. out and then, but to transcend all of this, um, it's like, you know, we, uh, we have that ability to do that. It's just, it's beautiful. I think that some of your practices, which I'd love for like some recommendations on the practices, I mean, I know you've been talking about meditations and different forms of meditation. Um, but, and if, if Rachel wants to add anything to that, and then we can get into some other practices that you might include that help people uh, get better in that way. Yeah. Just one final thought on all this perspective chat that we were, contemplating the other day how do we help culture transcend right wrong mentality because there's this comparative language in almost everything we talk about that assumes like 
there's a best way and a worst way to almost everything we do. And um, the answer that we came to is that appreciating learning from diversity is the antidote to right wrong mentality. So exactly what you're talking about, having a desire to know all the perspectives because you understand that that breadth is valuable to the human experience. And so that even when something isn't like you, you still appreciate it and you don't put a value judgment on it because it's different. You innately value it because it's filling in a data point you don't have without relating to other beings. And that's appreciating the human experience. And the like one of the main reasons I think we're all alive is to connect with other people. So yeah, I think that that's- uh, Well, native, there's some Native American tribes where they will literally have a full, the full circle of, of elders, if you will, the people that were high priestess class of that, of that tribe will all speak. And then the chief will speak last. And it's mm-hmm. just this mastery of like, I know what this person's going to say or think. I know what they think about this already. And it's kind of this, why wouldn't you think that? Whereas you think of a lot of leaders like, oh, they're the ones who are going to say something. Everyone's just going to listen, you know? And it's like, that's never really true. And there's always dissenters. You know, it's like I dissent, you know, and you get that anyway, just wanted to mention that because of the, it's so true. It's, it's, you get to, you you get all the, you get all the goods if you hear everybody out and you learn to listen, you know? Yeah. Uh, You asked for some modality recommendations. So I think it could be helpful to maybe have some categories around, you know, what aspects of a person we're supporting with various modalities um mind body spirit is a good three paradigm spectrum um some people think of it in terms of the chakras uh i've been working on a system that uses psychology terms to reconnect to the chakras in the mainstream because they're the seven aspects of our experience that we need to keep balanced and we can think of those as energies in the body and harmonize them more physically and energetically, but we can also just look at them psychologically. The root is physical balance. The sacral is emotional balance. The solar plexus is creative balance. The heart is social harmony. The throat is expressive qualities. The mind is intellectual and the crown is your like connection to inspiration and your spirituality. And so there are modalities that can feed any of these parts of us. But I think even before we get into modalities, it's important to recognize that being whole and being well-resourced in your beingness revolves around having a like low-key gauge of where all these categories are at in your life and what part of you needs fueling. Because Diagnostic. I think- Yeah, I think people are really looking for, okay, I need the three practices I can do every day for the rest of my life so that I can get this super disciplined routine down and develop excellence in something that also supports me being my best self. And for me, I I think there are people that can do that. But I think for me, it's more like what parts of myself are low right now and which of these practices fuel multiple categories of my need so I can have one practice that might be unique to that very specific moment and that very specific day, but is going to up-level me in all the ways I'm needing to meet my next moment. So like yoga is an example for me. I, that was the first um, physical routine that I developed big discipline with 
because I was doing yin yoga by candlelight in front of a mirror. And so it was fueling me spiritually to be that intimately with myself and do eye gazing while I was doing yoga. But it was also physical, which was something my body really needed. And I was having like mental spiritual experiences when I laid in Shavasana at the end and was just breathing on my mat and having all these breakthroughs. So that was a practice that fed me on multiple levels. And so it was easy for me to commit dedication to that. And I think that a lot of times when people are having trouble getting dedicated, it's because it's checking off only one of those seven boxes. And so they're not getting enough reward feedback and how much they actually feel better to show up to that practice every day. They're forcing themselves into it because it meets a physical need, but it's not feeding anything else that really makes it a long-term sustainable solution for them. Well, it's taking those experiences and expanding on each one. So like you said, you did yoga and I'm, but you said a certain practice of yoga and we got a candlelight, you know? So it's yeah. like, there's a, there's a certain element that's different than just flopping a mat out and just doing some yoga. You know, there are certain elements that are being, um, uh, mm. reinforced during that practice. So if you're gonna take something new, some kind of practice, you need to know what, what, what you can add to it to make it more experiential. And that earlier, you mentioned the idea that some people want that one thing they can do, or that three things they can do for the rest of their life. And uh, yeah, that's true. But people think that way. But really, life has its seasons. And I remember that, um, just as an example, my friend, my best friend from childhood lives in Hawaii. And, and he lives there because he's in the Navy there. And, you know, all this stuff kind of came across where my brother and I, we've all visited recently, like in January, and my brother's like, we need to move to Hawaii. It's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, the one reason why I won't move to Hawaii is because there's no seasons. And from my own human design, I can't live, I don't think, in a place that has no seasons. Because seasons, winter, fall, the earth, the elements, all these changes that actually occur actually helps me stay in a homeostasis in a way of like, oh, winter is where I work on myself personally. And then spring is where things open back up and summer is where I'm all connecting with others kind of thing. And I don't know, just, just as much as the earth has its seasons, people go through seasons. And so some people are like, I'm trying to jam this project in my career sector down. But in reality, you need to get your intimate love life together. So there's the pie of things in life that we can't all kind of, I'm going to just work a little bit on here and there and there and there. And it's all going to balance itself out. Like, no, you're going to be a better, better mother at certain periods of your life, you know, then you're going to be a better, you know, sister and other periods and, and different elements I think can come about in that way. I'd love to, yeah, piggyback on what Rachel was saying. Um, I agree with Rachel's right. There's so many different modalities. And when we work with a client, we don't like just say like, here's our system. You got to do it. It's more like, all right, where are you at? We're going to do an assessment first. We're going to listen. We're listening for what we might call a spiritual edge. And by spiritual edge, it just means what is it that's like both they have energy for would make a huge difference in our life. We can listen because we can see like the underlying things and then we could figure out which modalities will actually be best for that person in service. Now, that being said, I actually want to switch to paradigms that are universal. I wanted to mention mm -hmm. three of them that actually do relate to everybody. And the first one I want to talk about is energy levels. Uh, this is a big one for me that I learned from Donnie Epstein. And he breaks things down as like, there's this energy level of like energy poor, where we're just feeling like poo, we're depressed. Uh, and each energy level is not serves a purpose. So like, if you're about to go to sleep, energy poor is probably pretty good because you want to, you want to go to sleep, but, uh, it's, um, so, so then there's like, uh, 
neutral or low neutral or regular neutral or high neutral. And each of those, like if you're just doing like day-to-day -day things and you're not really need to think about it, neutral is probably a good place to be. And we always want to match the level of energy with, you know, with the activity you're doing. And in what Donnie has found is to get to high neutral is where you start having these multiple uh, perspectives. You actually have to achieve a level of high neutral to even get there. And then beyond that, there's like energy rich or super energy rich. Or, and so at those levels, like if you want to have like a lot of impact, like a big impact, you want to get to these energy rich, super energy rich levels where people just like really feel you're like have this energy coherence to you. It's not just energy spread around. It's coherent energy. It's like it makes sense. Like everything about what they're saying is like drilling in, you know, it's really coherent. And so one thing practice is to ask yourself to be energy aware, like what energy level am I at right now? And what do I need to do right now? And is there a match? You know, if I'm having energy poor, or low neutral, then my thoughts are probably aren't in the greatest place. It's not a time to get into like a deep conversation to resolve something, but it looks more like, well, maybe I need to figure out how to get my energy up, whether it's an energy practice or just eating something physical. There's lots of ways to get your energy up. But that model is super important. So I would recommend everybody start thinking about life in terms of, of energy. Uh, what energy level am I at? Is this, and, and then saying, is this the energy level that I need? So the second concept I really wanted to talk about was something you mentioned you had an interest in about, which was, uh, I mean, you call it, some people call it integral or integral. Uh, I don't even know what the right pronunciation is, but the, it's about this integral theory. This guy, Ken Wilber, he, um, what he did is he went meta. He went way above meta just, and he looked at East, West, uh, spirituality, physical sciences, and he found these meta patterns to life that take crazy complexity and make it simple. And there's a lot of different models, but I'm going to talk to you about the main one or one of the main ones called the quadrants and why it's super important for everything we're talking about, particularly for compassion. Uh, and so in this, this, um, and so if you're listening here, this is a multiple perspective thing. Get yourself in a high neutral place because uh, <laughs> this is the kind of energy that's needed to take in a concept like this. So in this, it takes this real simple diet, like a two by two. So it's like four quadrants and you've got the um, vertical axis, which is splitting between um, internal and external. So real basic. And then on this horizontal axis is singular and plural. And what it's saying is that he divided up all into life into these four quadrants. So you come over here, the upper left, which is internal singular, which is about what's going on in our consciousness and it's saying like our values, our states, um, anything, our, our shadow work, anything that's like about our, our development or what's kind of going on in our mind's eye is rest in this. And this is, uh, um, so then you go, uh, uh, if you go over here and you go external uh, singular, it's talking about our physical body and our behavior. So we've got these individual kind of mapped out in these different places. And then when you go to the lower quadrants, we're talking about more society levels so because it's plural. So when you go internal in a society, it's culture. This is what culture is. The no and culture is a, a term I think is often misunderstood, but as a change management, really culture just means like norms or agreements. And sometimes they're spoken, sometimes they're not spoken because society is made up of a bunch of agreements and culture's not good or bad. Like 
you can have like a mainstream culture, you can have a, a culture within a small group, you know, a family gets together, a couple has a culture, it's culture within culture, because it's just agreements between those, whatever that group is. And then you have external plural, which is gets into systems. So it's like you're, anything from like a government system or a plumbing system, or it could be like astrologies and the stars. So anything that's, that's um, systematic. So what's important about it is a lot of people have this tendency of like focusing in on one quadrant or one area and they're analyzing everything through life through that. So it's a reminder that every moment, what Ken calls the quadrants tetra enact, which means that it's actually all the forces um, coming together and it really creates compassion. This is um, when you really wanna understand someone or like, why are they saying this? Or why is this thing is, it's because their set of quadrants, the information in it is different than what you got. And so when you start to, to awaken to that, that everybody's different because their contexts are different, their information is different. You can stop, instead of saying like, they're wrong, you get into like, whoa, I wonder what's going on. What's, you know, what is, what is it about your values? Or tell me about your context that helps me come to your opinion. And we can move away from like kind of polarizing right, wrong conversations to something called dialogue, where we're getting with curiosity. It's like, whoa, you got a different, like Rachel meant, mentioned diversity. So diversity is beautiful. It teaches about different things, but there's tools of dialogues and understanding that, that everyone is a result of their context is, um, is uh, hel helps us like get into a deeper conversation to resolve these things. And then um, one more paradigm I really wanted to talk about, it's central to everyone is revolving around this hero's journey in the ego. And what I discovered, um, and I think I saw in your profile that you've taken like the Lamar class. Um, and so uh, this, they helped me kind of really break is when we have these like core traumas, like a core wound, uh, we tend to like make up something really nasty about ourselves and we put on a mask to cover up what it is. Um, and, and that actually mask like picks our energy, like in a certain way. And so we actually, one thing it does is it puts our energy in such a narrow way that we actually develop like a, a superpower in that area because our energy is so focused in it. We're defending against something, but it also has these like, um, negative consequences because we're putting so much energy in it that it's like obfuscating our ability to, to, um, to be something higher. Honestly, these defense mechanisms, their goal is to keep you at neutral so you don't go to these energy poor states. And so uh, what we like to help people do is like help them see the gift in, in their wounds, uh, like feel it and then liberate them the parts that they don't need anymore so they can get out of being stuck at energy neutral to go to energy um, super rich uh, and energy rich. And so we've got a whole bunch of, this is kind of where the shadow work kind of pits kind of comes in and we help people like guide people alter states there's a whole bunch of tools that fall under this but this real this pattern of like turning a, a the wound into the gift by seeing it through these multiple perspectives and uh we help people like what because if you keep going into these traumas from the same energy level that you did it you're just kind of re-wounding yourself that's not shadow work Realistic customer networks helps you take a higher energy and then you go into the emotions with the higher energy. So you're able to see it from multiple perspectives. So you're able to liberate that energy and see, see um, the gift. And a lot of times what we discovered is that you actually, this path of liberation, you develop another level of, of gifts. And so you're, mm -hmm. you're like almost, you've, you're getting rid of the anchor that's holding you back and you, you catalyze the gifts that you had naturally had. And then you add this other layer. And that's what we want to help people do is really have these, 
liberate them from their traps and get them into their total gifts. Um, I just want to, I am like astonished <laughs> the integral theory for sure. And then your breakdown of it, it's just, that is just so, so powerful. And I hope that the audience like really downloaded that or even like can reverse like five minutes and like <laughs> listen to this again, because that was so powerful. And I think that, um, I think in the show notes or something, I'm going to have to like put a document or something where people can kind of look at that four quadrant, as you, as you said, a visual of that, Absolutely. because it's, yeah. it's, it's so important. Um, and I just think that like, wow. I, and I, I, one little thing, I mean, you said so much, but I just thought about yeah. something as, is okay. when you do address traumas and things like that, like you said, landmark and all these things that help us because it is a problem, you know, it's, it's a problem that should be addressed, you know, right. um, that sometimes uh, I've been lately, I've been telling people that come to me with their problems. I usually am like, you know, telling them, Hey, you don't need to decide something right now about this situation. Like whoever in society or whoever around you is telling you that there's a timetable on this decision, th there can be on a physical level, but for you emotionally, there needs to just, you need to take some space. And a lot of the time I'm telling them that the subconscious mind is working problems out all the time. It's working things out. It's, it's, it's transforming you because it's kind of, it's a part of that. Like we would kind of put is our internal uh, process that, that functions, right. And, and helps rebuild and repair and, and, and regain a new perspective on something we may be troubled with. And I'm like, been telling people like, yeah, you're talking to me about that. I don't even have an answer for you. I can tell you some perspectives, but I, other than that, because everything's about understanding perspective. It really is. I'm like, well, this person will do this, then that, that what's the consequence of these actions. So it is that aspect of things. But then I'm like, don't decide yet. D don't even think about it. You don't even have to think about it because it's already processing. And sometimes you, you should, you should physically go on top of a mountain and then journal about whatever that situation is. But because of your physical energy, like you said, you're physically on top of a mountain. Or, I mean, we're lucky, we're blessed. We live in the Rocky Mountains. But I'm just saying that if you take a hike and you take a journal with you and you then you start in a higher level energetic place where you're able to eloquently decide on something, it's just that clarity comes in and, and it's discernment. I, I've been using that word a lot lately, but it's that spiritual force that comes in and says, I am decisive about this particular thing. Um, but I took that little nugget out of what you said. Without. Nature is so key to refueling because we live in such a structured world. We take for granted, like the entire society that we've created is, is um, created around structure and order. And so going into the organic reality that is the woods or the nature scapes, it connects us to a different part of our human experience. It opens something up and it puts us in the negative ion field that actually like alleviates depression like there are there are scientific reasons why nature as a regular habit is an important place to visit and um having higher spiritual insights there is totally common i'm an elementalist in general so i like to look at what elements are at play in a given scene and what those are doing for the available energy of a moment um, so when I do fire spinning, I am activating large amounts of transformational energy, but when I go into nature and I get in a pool of water, then I'm, I'm in an amplified and adaptive energy, um, that allows me to 
like be with whatever uh, new insights or new new adaptations need to come through for me. Going into higher elevations where you're really with the air element also does a lot like the winds of change or um, just putting you more in the mental space with the wind. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of ways where these elements can really create a live availability that isn't otherwise accessible when you're just trying to achieve the same results sitting at home. Um, the, yeah, elements are cool. Yeah, one thing I wanted to, a couple things I wanted to piggyback on. Um, one is there's in the, the Buddhist divide up these energy, but these three main bodies. And one thing that's really cool about Rachel is that we have this really awesome balance between us. There's like the, the Dharmakaya, which is like the mental uh, arena. And then there's the Narmanakaya, which is about the energy body. And then there's a Sambhogakaya, which is about like being really here present. And so like Rachel's kind of getting into like flow arts and like nature. And she's like beyond brilliant aesthetics in that. And like, we all have all three, but we also have different strengths. So when you kind of work with us as a couple, you get all of them. Cause like, I'm probably more on the dark, the Dharmakaya and that's probably like the weakest area. So thank goodness I got her uh, with me. Cause she, we fill gaps and vice versa. We kind of balance each other. Um, so one of the things I really wanted to talk about from my background is about, I've been talking a lot about individual change, but I'd like to talk about how it collapses with collective change. Because we, we don't just want to change ourselves. That would be just, we do want to change ourselves and make better ourselves, but there's a direct relationship to that and creating a better world. And so I want to kind of make that explicit. So one thing is we're helping people um, flourish in their, their best version of themselves so they can give their unique gifts, whatever that domain is. Obviously, we got to do stuff with the environment or with money or create up new ways to do food systems and a new healthcare systems. So we like to work with people, whatever their different uh, uh, domains um, to, to help them like flourish in their domains. Um, another thing is like a lot of people want to like fight the establishment uh, and like to, to kind of like a polarize, we're going to beat them. And I actually do not uh, think that is the best use of our energy. We definitely want to be aware of them and navigate around them. But I think the key to creating a new world is actually around um, creating it and being the change. So groups of us who are already into these higher levels of development got to come together and show people like what's possible, how create communities of higher level people uh, instead of like constantly batting heads with the power establishment. We've got this, I think people are seeing through with COVID and all this polarization, their energy for what the media has to say and what the government has to say even if they're on the left and right, they're like, something's not right. This is the fertile ground for major, major change because people are dissatisfied. They're open to new ways of thinking and ways of being. And we start to get people together um, uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to model what a new enlightened, more enlightened society looks like than people is what I call pull change and change management. There's something called push change and pull change. So what the government's doing is push change. They're trying to push down an agenda from the top down. What we want to do is what's called pull change, where we come up with something that's so epic 
and so amazing, such a vibrant society of compassion and healing and freedom and you know efficient, effective use of resources where all the other people are like, well, I could be here in this kind of sick paradigm government control thing, or I could um, be in a, uh, a paradigm of health and wellness and high energy vibes. So I just want to kind of point that out. Uh, just to expand on, there's something in the change management field that's called, uh, I think actually I learned this from the integral theory field, but it's a relates to change management. There's something about creating a groove. So first, like the pioneers come and there's no path. So they got to like combine with other people and create this groove in the, in the road about and refine it until the groove is deep enough that, you know, the more and more mainstream people can kind of get into, into this groove and kind of change with us. There's a really powerful idea of like, people like are always like, well, what's the path forward? Well, we need to get to the root of these problems and then really get these pra best practices out there. And I really think it's about um, getting like star players, people who are already, um, you know, on the edge and, are, you know, if anyone's listening to, this and to your show and knows about the current state and, and I love that your emphasis on breakers, like there's a solution oriented to your show that I love. And that's because those are the people that Rachel and I want to work with. We're ready to get out of this victim mindset and be like, let's do something about it. You know, let's let's get together and be intelligent about it and bring our gifts. And and um, so what we're kind of saying is like, or I'm suggesting here is that we kind of individually get our gifts up, but also come together collectively and um, and work work together and, and create and model what the new earth needs to look like. And then people will see like, well, do I wanna be wearing masks all day and doing this Western thing and these big brother things? Or do I wanna hook on with these people who seem to have figured out some new codes, a reality that's making a better world. And we pull people into the better world and eventually it just tips. That's kind of how I see it playing out because I don't see how we're gonna fight people who have unlimited money at their game. We're gonna create a new game and attract people to it. I think that the culture quadrant is where, where we can win is we can just create a more vibrant people. And because people are so dissatisfied with the sad, the status quo, all this polarity, the sickness and how much it costs and all the injustice, they're ready for something new to just blow up. And I find that exciting to be part of. And I'm definitely looking to work with other people who are able to, to do that. And uh, that leads into something else that uh, Rachel and I are really passionate about. And I'd love to hear Rachel's comments on this, but um, once we got to get these people in their highest um, forms or start waking them up. They don't have to be in their highest form, but as we're individuals who are doing this individual work, we got to get into this other area, this you area. And we're talking about like relationship codes. And this is one of the things that Rachel and I are really passionate about is helping people work together and better. And maybe Rachel, you could talk about that agreement, some of the other kind of cool stuff we've been talking about. Yeah, I think just the communication codes are redownloading for humanity right now. I think in the past, you know, people were really limited by the communication skills of the people in their immediate surroundings. And with the mass popularity of the internet, we're entering an age where higher, more like more respectful, more harmonizing, more engaging ways of communicating can emerge. And the ways that we relate to each other are going to be forever impacted by that. Um, 
consent, like we were talking about earlier, is super key. Knowing how to set boundaries, just stop fearing rejection in the same way that we have in the past, uh, to really rein in our projections and speak in ways that own the personalness of what we are saying. Um, yeah, so many, so many layers to uh, the kind of communication that's really needed for us to start this new cultural wave and create strong community because community inevitably, and I think social media is kind of a display of this, um, pulls up archetypal dramatic tropes, which are things in the communications patterns of the collective psyche that are looking to up level and alleviate. And so when we have strong communications codes and are willing to set boundaries around communicating a different way, we can step out of the inherited patterns that continue to bleed energy and be with uh, next phase of what community can be. And, you know, I think when we talk about shadow work, often people talk about, you know, their generational traumas or their ancestral wounds. And I really want to re re paradigm that and say like the purpose of shadow work is to collect and reclaim and remember your spiritual gifts it's not about overcoming the baggage of everything that came before you. It's about stepping into the inheritance of what all of that has to give you now. And we are the transmutation points or we can become the transmutation points between um, like the things that our ancestors suffered and the beautiful gifts and creations that that suffering was made in order to create and birth into reality and to stop looking at shadow work as like, I've just got this pit of despair. I need to purge and look at it as no, I've got these diamonds buried in the underwater caverns of my soul and I need to go collect them so I can be my best self. And just just re-relate to what has sort of become like culturally like scary yeah. and, and to really value it differently. I think Rachel's really just, uh, just to piggyback on that, we, we've, the shadow thing is like, yeah, it's got a lot of different interpretations. And what we really are, are emphasizing is practical skills that you can take away immediately. So we know how to to help people work with their shadows and not get stuck in that energy, but to start to see the gift. And we were just talking about communication. So I just want to give like a couple practical takeaways that people can do use like now. So like, for example, we're always, because we're communicating all the time and we're going deeper, we're always like looking to refine our communication. So great feedback Rachel just gave me the other day. It was like, hey, so I know sometimes you're listening and then you want to like add on to it and maybe, but I like to feel like you actually heard me. So we're using this like reflective listening technique where I'm like, before I, I'm, I'm yes and in her, I'm being like, baby, I heard you. And here's like, here's like, you know, some, I'll reword what I said. So she feels heard and understood. And then we, we understand we're on the same platform because if I didn't hear right, 
then what I said is probably not going to be as useful anyways, because when we're not, you know, working off the same thing. So we have a lot of cool tools. I just want to bring up one other one that's really fast, but not a lot of people know, but it's simple and powerful from the organizational development world. I learned there's this guy, Chris Ardris um, has like uh, four things are going on in every conversation. And one party is available aware of two and the other uh, parties were of the other two and neither are the same. So right now I'm talking, I'm aware of my intentions and whoever's my audience is, I'm aware of how they're coming across to me. Those are the two things I am. The other person is aware of how I'm coming across to them and their, what's going on with them and their intentions. And each person doesn't really know about the other part unless you actually start talking about it. So there's so many um, actual miscommunications going on because people are like, basically like the person is assuming like how they're coming across to them is their intention, realizing that there could be some gap there. So you a simple questions be like, I'm not sure if this is what your intention is, but this is how you're coming across to me. Like st simple statements like that, that are like disarming instead of like accusing someone like maybe someone's coming across as arrogant or know-it-all or jerk or whatever, something negative. And person could be like, instead of assuming that's true and that that's their intention, they got a mean streak in them or a jerk or an asshole. They can be like, hey, I don't know if this is true or not, but just as, and because everyone's got their own observer that they're listening to. And sometimes, People have good intentions, but the way they are communicating comes off wrong. And it just opens up the deeper dialogue for deeper connection and communication. And Rachel and I have a whole bunch of communication codes like that, that we work with different people. We see which ones they need and give them immediate results in their life. So we're just, I just want to give people an example of that. Example. Yeah, ahead, another quick example that's coming to mind is nonviolent communication. Yeah, great example. So uh, instead of saying, you did this to me, like, you made me feel awful re just phrasing that as when you blank i feel blank like to just not put the accountability for your emotions on others but speak to correlations um without accusations and that actually furthers the discussion instead of putting someone in a defensive position where they're like well I didn't mean to make you feel that way. You're questioning, you know, my kind, my kindness, my, like the way that I show up is good. And so a lot of those communications patterns, which nonviolent communication can alleviate, keeps the conversation out of defensiveness and right and wrong and actually keeps the relevant details emerging. Sometimes somebody just wants to be heard and there doesn't have to be like any kind of commentary. And some of the things I practiced was when I hear somebody say something like that, I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. I want to have something to say. Sometimes I'm like, do you want counsel on this? Are you ready for counsel? And they might be like, no, I really just wanted to tell you this to let you know, you know, and it's like, okay, well, thank you. You know, and it it's a different kind of conversation. So I think that the, then there's obviously times when people are like, no, I really would like to seek counsel. And I would like your opinion, your commentary on this particular thing I just shared with you, you know? So what you both are doing with each other are, that's amazing. Especially when you have two people who are, again, coaches who work with people who are constantly giving counsel and giving coaching critiques. And uh, yeah, that's tough because then both of y'all want to always have a little something to say. 
And uh, that's a very powerful relationship dynamic because a lot of people always feel like they always have to have their input. Um, but sometimes it's better if you know one or the other is, is able to be heard and understood and that that's the way it is. And then, and then things can always be readdressed at a later date, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea of saving things for later too. Um, there are moments when like someone's having a real clear insight, like this is where I see this person's spiritual edge breaking through and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like super lucid, clear, but they're energy poor and they're not available to receive it. So just realizing when you have those moments of excitement, you can always take notes and revisit the conversation when they're actually ready to receive it and re-engage the thread. I, I feel like a lot of people, especially when they're, they're new to their spiritual journey and they're feeling fresh in their connection to their knowing, they're like, if I don't say this right now, I'm going to forget it. You know, like I'm, I'm really lucid or I'm really clear right now. Like, I just need to say this to you. And it's like, well, pause, you know, you are always connected. You have already had this knowing, which means it is already in you. And if you're very worried, you can write it down and make it more permanent. But that doesn't mean it's time to override that person's emotional boundaries. Um, and so that's where like eagerness can be met with like compassion, really. It's like, um, this is always available. Like this isn't like, a, this isn't a high or a temporary state. This is the new access to you being fully alive and to trust that. I actually um, would love to. So I read this, I'm not a listener. Now I am, but I used to never be, okay? And I used to be the interrupter all the time. And mm. of course on a podcast, like I try my best to not interrupt. And, uh, but I remember when I learned this, I read it in some book I was reading. And then I remember uh, like two friends were having a conversation in particular, it's a moment where they were having a conversation, things were going well. And then I had some kind of idea, like you said, and it's something that, oh, I wanna share that. I wanna spring this on somebody immediately. And it doesn't matter what, what they're talking about because that's irrelevant because I, what I have to say is way more important. And that's really what people aren't willing to admit, but that's exactly how they feel when they want to interrupt somebody. So I wanted to interrupt their conversation. Instead, I walked up to them. They were having some kind of conversation and then I wanted to butt, butt, butt in. And I remembered just listen instead, like, don't do it. Don't do anything. And so then instead I just sat there and they both looked at me kind of odd and they noticed that I was just going to sit there anyway and listen. So they continued having the conversation. And my, one of my best friends, they were both my best friends, but one of my best friends was, he had this moment of clarity that was brought upon in that conversation, something that he needed to hear, something that he needed to know about whatever it was. I forgot the context, but it was important. And I'm there watching this unfold. And I thought to myself, wow, I was about to just interrupt this energy flow. I was about to interrupt whatever this was. And I realized the consequences going back almost traumatically of how much disrupting I have done with other people just in conversation alone. And ever since that moment, I learned that yes, in conversation, we're always thinking of th things to say next. So what's, what's a practice that I've been able to do is, is I call bookmark everything. So I have a, a specific word I'll use about a, a, something I wanted to bring into the conversation and I'll say, okay, I'll just repeat that. But I'm listening to somebody, 
but I'm going to put that on a shelf somewhere and just really stay present and then try to recall it. And that practice of being able to put something away and then recall it because the fear of forgetting what you were going to say is one of the worst fears. It's like you get, oh, tip of my tongue. You know, I forgot what I was going to say. It's like this blank moment that happens to us all the time, but it's, it's definitely devastating. So if we could practice like, like already sort of putting something away and then hearing and being completely present as we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, being 100% present and listening, it's, it's tremendous value. Mm. Truth, truth. Yeah. I'd love to um, mention a couple of other like uh, esoteric things that Rachel and I are involved in. Um, Cause um, I've had the good fortune of being guided to a couple of modalities and, and um, that are like very few people know about. It's like the original person who's like discovered it is now like creating trainings to do it. And, um, and, and one of them is this guy, Mark Schur, and he's encompassed life. And he's got this thing called conscious language and body electronics. And basically I want to talk about the conscious language and how it fits in. What he's discovered is that like when we're having these traumatic moments, we talked about these energy poor traumas, we make up these decrees about life. And we're like living through them. We talked about this filter and we, Rachel and I have like have abilities to help people discover what decrees that they're actually are, are anchoring their life and how to re, re almost reprogram their mind. And by helping having different decrees that kind of raise their energy. So they go from having an energy low neutral life to like a, a super energy rich. Um, and then this other guy, uh, you talked about being at my birthday party and one of my teachers there was uh, Donnie Epstein. And he's an energy master and he's like bringing these like subtle energies to chiropractic. Uh, and he's got this new thing where he's teaching people how to relate to this, like spiritual energies and also like how to um, access deep unconscious things through like our, our like tapping into our energetic field. And it's like really innovative and really advanced. And it makes all this stuff that people think takes years and years of work, makes it a lot faster and a lot easier. And uh, Rachel's got her own esoteric stuff. Um, she's really down with like embodiment stuff, like the flow arts. And Rachel, why don't you talk a little bit about some of your uh, trainings here? Yeah, uh, I think I am seeing as I travel, a lot of people using Oracle decks, which is beautiful because it connects to like, ancestors that packaged wisdom into little synchronistic moments we can have but tarot itself is an archetypal language it's super powerful it's got a, its own interpretation of the hero's journey that's way that's way deeper than some of the more simplified hero's journeys that we see today and i think it's deep deep it's it supposedly goes all the way back to egypt uh, so it's very archetypal i've also been learning palmistry for i think five or six years now. And it is a very powerful self-discovery tool because you you use your hands every day. And so you have an opportunity to see your hands every day. So it can really ground you in the core of who you are in an important way when you use it as a self-reflection tool. One thing uh, I would say is like, I've had my palms read with several people, but Rachel does it on this other level. Like she knows how to look at the different hands and explains the difference and transitions and getting into all different kinds of dynamics. It's, it's uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know where you learn all that stuff, but thanks it was for, other level. Thanks for pulling up that detail. So your dominant hand, you use more and it sheds more skin cells. So it's changed more from your original line structure. Your non-dominant hand is the hand you were 
closer to the hand you were born with and it shows your fate and the one that you've used more has adapted to reflect more of what you currently are so you can look at the ways that your original script and your actualized script differ and be be with those subtle differences and how you feel about them and what that tells you about what you want to do with your life um so it can become a huge like self-reflection portal especially for people that are in like the should i shouldn't die kind of paralysis to really be with well this is what's it this is what your soul thought would happen and and this is what you've done how does that actually make you feel um so that can get really deep and um there's some lines on the side of the palm that have to do with like our deepest connections and and often it's interpreted as children sometimes it's interpreted as lovers i've i've kind of reimagined it as like your pattern of heart connection like how many deep fully deep connections you can keep running at a time and that accidentally like gets right to the core of people and like they'll have very emotional breakthroughs around the ways that they love and it's just so rewarding to have those kinds of conversations with people so unmute unmute yeah no i've had i've had uh, my palm my palms red it was so long ago and it's it's definitely it's it's amazing to to just know and to think that like so much is on again the human design which is same similar concept but the idea that um so much can be imprinted on us you know on and it's energetic and it's it's in the womb you know and it's uh it's amazing it's it shows the timelessness of god or the creator uh, that there's these markings on you and there's this of course astrology the time you're born there's all these elements that will influence your life that if you only knew about them you could be in more alignment with who you are and what you're what you're doing what your purpose is you know yeah i love helping people that are wanting to discover a clearer route in their purpose that was at least a decade of self-discovery for me just collecting layer upon layer of tools and i i feel like we've arrived now at a, a few tools that get people there really quickly and it's so rewarding to offer people that sense of like inner certainty or if things get chaotic like there's a lot that I like and dislike, but this is the core of what I want to keep eternal in my expression. And it really helps with indecision and feeling like there's a through line or a mission for why you're here. Um, there's this really powerful tool called an Ikigai, which is the Japanese, it's a Japanese tool for way of your way of being. And it's, what do you love? What does the world need? What can you get paid for? And what are you good at? And actually looking at the intersection points between all four of these to find the common thread between all of these ways that you self-relate already. And I think that can also be super powerful. That is definitely powerful. I've done that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's on a book. It's on another book I, I read. And it's I, I don't know if it mentioned Japanese, but it's the exact same, I think, circle model, where it's like, whatever's in the middle is what your purpose in life is something something along purpose, yeah. something like that. That's really powerful. If Oh, man, another just 
the integral theory and then this other it's just so powerful if anybody were to grasp onto this information and really run with it it would it would just be tremendous value i mean this is so powerful nice what one one area that we kind of mentioned this earlier this is iu other and i felt like we haven't i'd like to at least touch on this other thing uh other domain and how how we connect to it and what do we even mean by that um so that other can look in a lot of different ways um so one thing could be like like spiritual laws so like rachel and i are really into this trinity concept that's why we're using iu other is doing it there's all these um we're, we're stuck in this kind of polarity situation where things are banging together but often there's like a third perspective that kind of uh like brings things together um so one of the ones i actually learned from integral theory and i like to pass it to rach because he's says has a lot to say about this topic as well um is that that in life there's this continuous pattern of things being like fused together like meaning like all the ideas are just like one thing like we all start as one and then start breaking off of parts and then there's like differentiation like society starts to differentiate this is a new thing now and then there's the 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 the, the, the thing there's something that goes above it and this the, it's called integration so we're always going through this thing where everything's like one and then we break off a new part and we're like what do we do with this new part He's got, you know, cell phones. What are we going to do with cell phones? Are we, you know, internet? How are we going to do it? So then this third piece is just this integration piece. So the society is always going through this process of new parts coming in and integrating at higher and higher levels. And it's just process over and over again. Right. You want to say a little more about the Trinities? Yeah. So I, you and other is a model for parts of self or aspects of being and once you really internalize these, you see the way that it plays out in language because it gets really deep. So I, when people are speaking in the first person, they're speaking about themselves and they're in their individual, like small script experience of who they are. Um, you is second person and it's the way that we are when we relate to other people. And people that don't have a strong sense of self yet, they might think this you part of them is actually them. But the way that we show up with other people is a completely another aspect of who we are, independent of our individual selves and our the selves we show up as when we're alone. And then there's the other, which is basically our relationship with divine or with things that are abstracted beyond physical form, like concepts or culture or societal constructs. Um, and so I even relate to other in signs and symbols and synchronicities in the happening of the world around me. Like, oh, I saw this particular kind of bird and it's giving me this kind of message for my day. That's relating to other. Um, so in, being with all these parts of ourselves, we can identify which ones we've been leaning on as a strength and which ones are weaker and start to boost up relating to those lesser identified parts of ourselves so that we can arrive in our wholeness in any interaction that we engage. And a lot of people are aware of, I have a me self and then I have the person I am when I'm with others, but they're, not often aware that that's only the first two categories and there's this whole other level of how we relate to the human experience to the world itself like 
the way that we interpret what's happening around us is a whole nother way of relating. And it's important to keep track of all three to be fully actualized in our reality. Yeah, other has a lot of domains within it. Like we could be just talking about spiritual law. Like one support we've been learning lately is about greatest weakness, greatest strength. We're talking about gift to wounds. A lot of times uh, the thing that you think you're terrible at ends up being your greatest strength. Like I used to be very distracted and very in my head. And now I've done all these different tools and now I'm really present and I'm really in my feeling body. And so like as you that the, the, the hero's journey takes you along that. We can help people guide that. And another one is actually just on the physical realm. Other is like relating to the systems we are talking about in the culture. And I wanna talk about something that might even be a little bit edgy and controversial, but I'm gonna go there. Um, people like have this mindset when we talk about the powerful, the rich and powerful, the elite, the Illuminati, the Rockefellers, the technocrats, however you want to define power, right? The left versus right. There's all sorts of ways we can describe it. And people feel like they have this victim mindset. There's these powerful people and they're screwing us over and that puts us in a real energy downer move. Or like we're this victim mindset. And what I've like kind of noticed by studying things and studying history and integrals really helped me with that is that a long time ago, um, we were like killing each other. Like people, humanity was like, you know, we were like a caveman. We were just killing each other. We were just killing each other. And what happened was some some part of humanity was like, ah, like unconsciously, we got to do something about it. And this is when we started creating like kings and queens and and like a power structure. So like humanity actually created these powerful groups to help manage us when we really needed it. And it's almost like a we kind of almost forgot about that. And anyone who's really studied this deeply comes to realize that this mind control and divide and conquer, it's not new, it's old as shit. It's been happening forever. You know, we're just kind of waking up on a higher level and there's so much awareness now that we can actually transcend it. But I think when people are getting into this relationship of victim, it drops their energy. And what I've come to see it like from more compassionate, I've used this integral kind of quadrant thing to see like, hey, these people, I actually, know people who grew up in these rich and powerful families. And he, one of my friends, a real close friend of mine says like, hey, they they just, they still have this old worldview is this is our job. We're supposed to manage humanity by dividing them and doing all these techniques. And they're not gonna get out of that. That's just the role that they think they are. And they're playing this role of keeping us stuff to glue with these old methods. But now we're ready to create the, the new methods. We're not, we have to actually create to create the new ways of being, um, the new systems that to go into and then move people to. So we're not gonna build like a new society by using the old systems. That's not how it works. It's the same. And there's a parallel when you're working with your shadow because your shadow has like this, um, like these ways, defense mechanisms the ways of being that we've been it, but when you liberate it, you actually become with a, like a whole new operating system. And even Integral talks about it um, going from first tier to second tier. And first tier is where everyone thinks uh, they're this right or wrong. Everyone's perspective is right, and anyone who doesn't agree with them is wrong. But then the second tier, we've got more compassion. And once we have more compassion and more understanding, we kind of see the bigger picture and the solutions. And so uh, we like help people get into a higher energetic relationship with all aspects, whether it's a spiritual law or it's the culture or the government. And so they can look at it in a way that's very high vibration and liberating and leads to the best 
we have the best results as far as we can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. It's how you have that relationship with the other, right. In this, in this concept and um, how you address that relationship. And, and are you 90% other, like, are you just plugged in too much? Um, And you're only looking out for whatever's going on in the world. Um, and, and I have this ebb and flow between all that as well. It's so funny. Um, thank God I moved to Colorado because I think being in the nature, close to nature, and it, it brings me to the presence. Like if you better be really present when you're flying down a mountain on a bike, you know, or, or else you can't be thinking about something else. So there's this, like, that's a beautiful trifecta. Cause it's a, you can't necessarily overburden yourself on these different areas. And people have to realize that, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, this, the system of control has been in place. The matrix has been in place since, I guess, the beginning. I mean, you even have the Bible, the Torah, the uh, all these different ancient texts, holy texts, all these different people talking about how the, the elites and how this all worked. And, and, and it's spiritual. It's, it's such an element. There's so many things on top of it. Um, but, you know, it's uh, what's really interesting is that the fact that they would even invest so much money and time and energy on mind control and trying to influence the public, it actually shows where the real power lies. And it lies within people because right. the people are the ones who are the victim, if you will, of sort of propaganda. But why would they even bother spending the money and the media? I mean, why bother doing it is because the secret is that we, the people, on a large collective basis, we are actually all the power that we need. That doesn't mean we all agree and that, you know, they're, they're, and we're always in disagreement with those in power. It just basically means that we, the people, are the ones in control of how the world really goes because of our collective consciousness. And there's so much revolved around consciousness as well, by the way. It's just you can influence people. And so the same modes that you would call that the elites use to manipulate us on a grand scale you can use in reverse to awaken and open up and actually influence people in a positive way. And there are great and wonderful leaders in the world that are everywhere that are in doing that exact thing. And that's what you two are doing, especially. I would hope that that's what I'm doing in that, in that, in my own way. So it's just, it's empowering to know that we're in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I love your focus on solutions, the matrix breakers. That's a great we feel we feel a very alignment with you and like let's not just dwell on this victim stuff let's do something about it yeah yeah because then then if you don't know about it somebody will be like oh well you just don't know everything you know and it's like actually i probably know a lot more about it than you may know but i'm not choosing to adopt it as a system in my life i am just an observer like you said about your emotions i'm an observer that i acknowledge the importance and significance of it um, but at the same time, I'm going to lead my life in a different direction. So it's just beautiful, bro. I love it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that I would love to kind of close this out with some of the programs that you guys are doing. So uh, if y'all want any way to contact you, both of you, um, individually or, you know, collectively, however that's going to work. I know there's some things you may be projects you're working on together and there's some things y'all do separately. You're coaching and different things. So I would love yeah. for you to share a little bit about that. We've got like a, a, a website we're about to kind of put up about relationshipalchemist.com and what emails you can re- reach as me at Jonathan at Relationship Alchemist or Rachel at Rachel Alchemist or support at Relational Alchemist if you just have like a general question. Um, and we're doing um, different kinds of offerings uh, where, where individual coaching is involved. Um, we also work with people with a combination of uh like 
some coaching, but also like some deeper work where we might spend like a day with them and really kind of go deep, deep in things. Um, Rachel, you want to talk about some other stuff? Yeah, we've also got a um, retreat in the mix with a fellow light worker named Milena and anyone who puts their email into our website will get notified when there's deeper details about that um and yeah yeah we're we're, we're uh because we yeah we got a lot of things in the pipeline right now we're coming up with some self-paced classes and some some longer retreats and people want to get our, our newsletter we're a podcast so people can hear us we'd love to come back on your show if people have like certain specific questions on solutions and they want to hear how Rachel and I would take our, our paradigms and modalities and mix it in with people's questions. We'd be, be open to the kinds of stuff like that. We're really big into collaborators. Uh, one thing is also we're going to be um, hosting people. We like to bring a lot of different uh, people are into solutions and healing together and, and, and have a lot of conversations about how we can leverage our skills together. What I call like stacking, how to, how does, how can we like, because different people have different pieces. Rachel and I just have a certain piece. Dylan's got a piece. All of you in the audience, you all have a piece of this. We're all a piece. And so uh, we're definitely an uh, organization. Rachel and I are really into structure and organization. And we like to bring people together and help make matches in a very coherent way. And also bring different groups, both as Rachel and I are both uh, bridge people. Or we like to dabble. We have this like, real experimental curiosity. What's this about? What's this about? And we like to go deep and then we like to bring those groups together. So we're going to be offering things that bring different worldviews together. Uh, so that's a bit, a little bit about what we have now and what's coming in the future. So anyways, thanks Thank for having you. an amazing conversation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I was going to say, um, definitely have to come back on the podcast for sure so that we can, you know, connect more dots. I know that there's going to be a lot of questions. And then of course we had this technical, a bit of a mix up there, but we, we balanced it, we balanced it all out, which is really great. Um, but definitely come back on the podcast and it sounds like y'all have got a lot of things behind the scenes going on and uh, we're just excited to connect. And then of course, future things we're going to work on together. Um, I'm definitely open to that as well. And then other people are probably going to want to get involved in on all of all of these different programs you know so um yeah. i'm excited well, if so, your audience don't know where dylan has like the badass house of roommates and i've worked with several of them uh healers you know tribe. yeah the thrive tribe well you got a cool astrology these cool massage people yeah all kinds of healing modalities like bars it's like so much cool stuff's coming in in your uh with your community we love uh rachel and i love going over there and connecting with you guys yeah we are very, very blessed over here for sure. <laughs> um, man, awesome. Well, I'll go ahead and close this out. And uh, Rachel, if you have any closing words, I know Jonathan got his say. Uh, the only closing thoughts I have left would be much love and gratitude to everyone who has listened all the way to the end of this podcast. Uh, thank you for being into personal growth and transformation and world change. Uh, both on an individual and collective level. Uh, we're so glad that we have uh, fellow uh, purveyors of the way 
that are um, feeling the collective resonance and vibration and calling in this new reality together. Thank you, thank you. Wow, beautiful way to close it out. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Thanks. All right, guys, peace.